0: Welcome to Mums in the Making Storms grappling with the realities of being a new mum And Rachel is currently pregnant And neither of us has a clue what we're doing And it would appear that neither do any of you On this week's episode we talk iron tablets Um, Yeah, disproportionately scared of black poo, I don't know, I don't know why Haunted cots, was it rocking when it was found? (laughs) (laughs) Just quietly on its own because then I would be suspicious. That's a big clue. And pregnancy boobs.
1: Needless to say, I never went braless again.
2: Hello. Hi. (laughs) What are we on? Week ten. Week ten, baby. It's happening. Or the pregnancy time continuum (laughs) continues. It feels like I've been pregnant for ten years, (laughs) but it's only ten weeks.
0: Yes, it is very, very long at the beginning. Very long indeed. Do you know what size the baby is? Do you know what you should
2: be growing right now? It is the size of a strawberry, which is arguably my favourite fruit. So that's nice to know. It gives a nice visual image of strawberry. Lentil, I was less attached to. Strawberry, I can get more on board with.
0: Have you been looking at the pictures of what it looks like?
2: Yeah, as in what the fetus looks like. It's got quite a large head. Yeah, does it still have a tail? No. No, I don't think so. I never actually saw a wee picture with it with a tail on. Um, probably hid that from Sandy, to be honest. <laughs> His mind is blown on a daily basis by everything I'm doing. <laughs> Just, it's probably better to keep the tail under wraps for now. Um, but my um, totally... Um, like strange situation happened with my friend this week with her baby because he was born with an extra pair of thumbs. And he's what? Yeah, yeah. So he um so they all have all of their family have like a strange genetic thumb thing. So she has double jointed thumbs, so fingers for thumbs. And then her gran or grandpa had a second thumb, an extra thumb, and then her son has these two extra thumbs but they live in Singapore so it costs £13,000 to have this thumb removed (gasps) and it's not covered on insurance because it's a birth it's from birth it's a birth defect so that made me very very thankful for the NHS (laughs) and made me realise how much we have to hold on to it but maybe,
0: right, we're thinking about this all wrong. I get the fact that it is unusual to have another thumb, but the fact that she's got, like, super-duper thumbs, maybe their genetics is actually top of the evolution tree. Honestly. Like, we know the fact that we have class thumbs <laughs> puts us ahead of all the other animals, you know, on the planet. I'm just saying... yeah. If we had to decide who should be king and queen of the world again, I think your friend should maybe come top.
2: Yeah, and she, to be honest, is definitely in the running for other reasons. But I hear what you're saying. So basically, opposable thumbs, great. How many you got, though? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly.
0: Winner. High set. Um, I do kind of get the fact that primary school can be a bit of a... A a tricky situation to navigate if you've got an extra pair of thumbs. So I understand the the want to get rid of them early on. I just think maybe we should be a little bit more open-minded with these sorts of things. Yeah, who knows?
2: They probably are the next stage in evolution. We're
0: being quite light-hearted, but actually congenital abnormalities is something that many of us really fear at some point in our pregnancy. So I thought it would be a really good idea to hear from some parents who have experienced this And we're
3: actually going to start with the dad. Hi, Ian here. So our daughter was born
1: with an extra finger on each hand, which they didn't pick up during the scan. Um, But she was referred to the hospital within about two hours or so to... um, to have them removed and they did it using an experimental procedure to try and do it under local anaesthetic rather than general anaesthetic because they thought it would be easier for the the baby and the mum rather than having to have them staying overnight. We were in and out within an hour. So it was our experience has been very good. Hi, my little boy Ronnie who is now 10 was diagnosed with Clubfoot um, at his 20 week scan. Um, As you can imagine it was quite a shock and completely out of the blue. Um, it is quite overwhelming when you first find out, and you feel like you're the only people in the world going through it. Um, but you're not, and there is so much help and information out there. It's not always as bad as you first sort of find, feel and find out, and it can be dealt with.
4: Hi, Storm, it's Jenny here. Hip dysplasia is a really important one. Make sure you get those hips checked before you leave the hospital. Uh, My newborn was born with a dislocated hip, which was picked up on the clicky hip test where they circle the baby's legs, take seconds. Um, She then had to spend the first 16 weeks in a Pavlik harness, but what that did was that it it made sure the hip was in the right position and she is now a very healthy, happy, bouncing around five-year-old. So had we not have had that test done, she would have had lots of hip problems and maybe ended up in a cast with some major surgery. So get those hips checked before you leave the hospital.
0: Hi Storm, Um, I have a son who's almost
1: 14 now and when he was born he was taken from us really quickly into neonatal intensive care as he was having seizures. Um, Over the course of the 18 months that followed that we discovered that he had um, a very rare and life-threatening condition called congenital panhypopituitarism. and um, he basically doesn't produce any of the body's hormones naturally. Um, it's life-threatening but not life-shortening and we manage it all on a day-to-day basis with medication
3: Hi, it's Lisa here. My son, uh, at my 20-week scan, the nurses had noticed that he had bilateral talipes, which is club feet in both of his feet. So for the rest of the pregnancy, I was so worried. I was looking up Google. I had myself in a whole tiz about what his life was going to be like, what it would mean for him long-term. Um, and it did, ruin, it did ruin the rest of my pregnancy, to be honest. You know, he's got club feet. It was, you know, it was what it was, but he is perfect, and he was such a happy little baby, he still is, he'll be 4 in August, he's ongoing treatment, he has to wear his boots and bars at night, till he's 5, but he knows no difference, so I would say to any parents, if they find out you're in their scans, or whatever it is, or when they find out, try your best not to look things up and go down rabbit holes, because it could be so stressful, and get yourself unnecessarily um, up to high dough we Peter is very happy. That's all that matters.
1: Hi, it's Carly here. So my son was born with esophageal atresia. Um, we had sort of three months in hospital. We had to have surgeries and things like that. Um, didn't know about it until he was born. Uh, it happened and we got transferred up to St. Thomas's Hospital. He's doing really, really well now. Um, it's been a rough old ride, but he's doing so well. He's now three. Um, so I just wanted to say to other mums that get diagnosed with something rare like this, you know, it does get easier and it does get better.
2: I was going to ask how your Otis free time was. I'm imagining got the high heels on, your hair did, went out on the town, drank those big expensive cocktails we used to drink. I was... Out till
0: five o'clock in the morning. I was living the high life. No, no, I was crying into my pillow, wondering where my child was. Um, yeah, I, I kind of went into it with a bit of anticipation because I was quite excited about the prospect of having time. That's something that I don't have anymore. But then on the other hand, I was thinking, oh, just that feeling of not having them with me at bedtime. I think I'm going to really struggle with that. Turns out I did. And it left me in a situation where I was the most unproductive human on no. the planet. Um, so I got absolutely bugger all done I had a list as long as my arm of things that I wanted to get done and I achieved exactly none of them I did however watch quite a lot of Formula One Drive to Survive so <laughs> <Yeah>. when <laughs>
2: just keeping yourself distracted with those cars just going round and round on the track oh that's a shame uh,
0: yeah I know but maybe next time I'll I'll have got used to it I very much doubt it. The weird I'm more productive with him around when I have absolutely no time at
2: all. Um, well, maybe it's because you're so focused on him and everything that needs done for him. And then as soon as you remove that and have time for yourself again, you're like, wow, what did I ever do? Before? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kind
0: of sat there thinking, who am I? What's my life about? I'm not entirely sure anymore. That'll kick in in a minute. Um, so you had your midwife first midwife appointment last week, and yes. they took bloods. Have you had any results or anything
2: back? Yes. Yeah, so they took bloods, and then I had a voicemail the next day to say that I am anaemic, which was a surprise. Although my friend did warn me because I'm vegetarian do i do lapse upon occasion it's not a confessional rachel you don't need to tell us that <laughs> no one's watching you <laughs> just in case any piggies listening um, i like i do strive to be vegetarian but my friend said oh you have to be careful because my vegetarian friends really struggled with anemia and you need to have lots of iron when you're pregnant and i just kind of thought i would be okay and then it turns out i do have anemia and the very helpfully. Again, big props to the NHS. And um, they sent some iron tablets to my doctor so that I could pick them up. Amazing. Then, yeah, amazing. But then I started talking to my friends about the fact that I was anemic and I had these iron tablets, and they were like, oh God, the iron tablets. <laughs> and this happens so much, or has happened so much in praying to so far, is that you mention one thing and people go, oh yeah. It's like going to like a car garage and then looking at some minor scrape and going, Oh god, no, you're doomed. <laughs> so that was the reaction to the iron tablets. And like even my friends that have had quite serious blood loss were like, Yeah, that was actually the straw that broke the camels back for me. I just drew the line at the iron tablets. So then I got consumed by fear. Wait, hold on.
0: Tablets. What was the what is the deep inhalation of breath? Why did people not like the iron tablets?
2: Because they turn your poo black and Might. maybe not be able to go to the toilet and At constipation yeah and that sounds pretty bad but they just said they were really rough and they just had a kind of knowing intake of breath so I then got disproportionately scared of the iron tablets obviously and decided that I've only just started to feel better again did I want to relapse into the pit of digestive doom and so I went to Holland and Barrett, and they gave me a lower dose so trust that that will all be okay apparently the dose you get at the doctor's is 200 milligrams and the one at Holland and Barrett is 20 (laughs) so I'm hoping that's going to be enough plus spinach plus kale plus the occasional burger sorry cows and that will hopefully (laughs) ramp it back up
0: but it Um, might be worth telling your GP or telling your midwife that you're doing that so that they check your bloods again just to make sure that it is supplementing it enough um, because actually the constipation isn't so bad and there's ways of dealing with that I I mean, and who cares <laughs> if your poo's black like it flushes <laughs> down the toilet what are you trying to do making it look good before it goes okay, like, with what, my, what difference does it make
2: <laughs> you know chart out. Hmm. <laughs> what shade is that today but you're not painting your house with it Um, yeah disproportionately scared of black poo I don't know I don't know why there's something
0: about it i think this might be one for our midwife carla
4: rachel please don't give holland and barrett any more of your hard-earned cash when we're pregnant the good old nhs looks after us and gives us those lovely free prescriptions so let's make the most of it when you're anemic in pregnancy we prescribe a high dose of iron because it's important that we get those levels of haemoglobin built back up ready for birth there's different types of iron that we can prescribe, so if the one you're taking doesn't suit you, if it's making you feel sick or constipated, ask your GP or your midwife to try a different type and that might suit you that bit better.
0: Well it would appear that anemia isn't that unusual in pregnancy and many other women have had to take those dreaded iron tablets. Here's some of your stories.
1: Hi, I was diagnosed with severe anemia during my second pregnancy, and I'd never had any issues with anemia before, even during my first pregnancy. Uh, I felt absolutely awful, run down, not sleeping at all. Um, But I just put this down to normal pregnancy symptoms. But as soon as I was diagnosed and started taking the iron tablets, everything improved dramatically, really quickly. Um, and I was sleeping so much better straight away. So if anybody is reluctant to take the iron tablets, I would really suggest that they do try and take them because it made such a huge difference for me. Hi, my name is Suzanne. I was pregnant with twins last year and I was incredibly tired from week 15 and went to the doctor and they... Took the blood test, and then when I went for my checkup at about 32 weeks, she said, "Oh, from your last test, um,
0: you're, you're anemic," um, and put me on iron tablets. And I did; they did
1: help for the remaining of my pregnancy. But yes, they um, they made me feel really sick or sick anyway. They put you off food. They definitely definitely affect your appetite, um, headaches. Um, but they were worth it because they gave me uh, a lot more energy than I did before. Hi, my name is Anna. I'm mother of three, my boys four and a half and my twin girls are three and a half. On my second pregnancy with twins I was really low on iron, so on the seventh month of pregnancy I went to see midwife, she checked me and she was really surprised how I'm still not in coma, so she came with another three people, they asked me how I feel and they told me, can you have a balance, can you close your eyes, touch your nose and so on. So they was really surprised that I'm still functioning and I'm not in coma due to my really low iron. So they asked me to wait in a waiting room where I was waiting for hours and they needed to make a decision whether they're going to do a blood transfer fusion or iron infusion so after four hours waiting and one one hour talking with a specialist they decided i'm gonna have iron infusion so yeah i said i can't be in coma because i have a baby at home to look after so yeah mother instinct and adrenaline
0: (laughs) now iron tablets aren't looking so bad are they (coughs) but at the midwife appointment do they do bloods to check for chromosomal abnormalities that's next one that's the next one, okay, yeah, so they leave you waiting next, for that This was one.
2: just for general blood for me. You
0: have to wait quite a while for that one, and that's so important. Mm. How do you feel?
2: Um, Yeah, better. I think that's with everything. It's like the communal intake of breath, and you've got so much information going on in the outside world and from friends and family and from books and from bloody Google that it's very overwhelming, and then... You don't really get that much time to process it yourself. And there's also this kind of like weird, don't don't say it out loud in case it's bad, juju type thing, you know, like don't mention that bad things might happen. I'm like, I have been anxious my whole life and at all points it has been better that I be anxious about every possibility so that I am then prepared for it. It's very rarely that I am surprised by any outcome.
0: Do you actually find that you've become, because I certainly did when I was pregnant, I got more superstitious. Like, I was just covering all bases at all times. Well, you know, in, like because I'm an atheist, right? But when sort of shit hits the fan, I pray to every god just in case. Is anybody listening? And that's kind of where I was at during pregnancy. I was like, right, everybody will cover everything. I'm not walking under a ladder. I'll I'll start doing my Hail Marys if a black cat crosses my path. Like, it's absolutely everything. Salt was getting thrown over every shoulder.
2: I mean... The- big one at the moment is the buying of things before we know that there's a, a baby in there with all the bits that it needs to be a baby mm. so that is the thing that's causing mm-hmm. <laughs> slightly mixed reviews from both sides of the family because sandy's mum is a uh, don't buy anything before the baby's out and my mum. Mm-hmm. And aunties have got. They've already got everything. Yeah, yeah. They've got a high chair, a pram and a buggy. They found it some um, secondhand thing that was mamas and papas. And it was down to like £35. So the baby just got all this like mamas and papas gear. That's incredible though. What was that? A secondhand mamas and papas sale? No, no. It was like a hospice charity shop. Um, and my auntie Teresa is like ultimate bargain hunter. So she will just be like, I mean, the baby will be kitted out in the most... Affordable budget stuff from various places, <laughs> so it has all that stuff already on one side of the family. The other side, the and it's someone's been knitting, and that part gives me the the fear a little bit because then, and that's the problem with telling people earlier than twelve weeks, which obviously mm. you're, you're not meant to. But then you have to kind of disappoint them if things don't go that way. <laughs> Take all back to yeah. the hospital, you know? It's I, a bit awkward. <laughs>
0: I wouldn't think of it in terms of disappointing them. I don't think anyone is going to be blaming you for any part of it. It will be a disappointment, but for no one more than it will be you. So that's definitely not something that you should take into consideration. I get the superstition thing, though, because I felt that way and I didn't want anyone. I knew that there were going to be members of the family that were buying stuff for the baby. But I just made it really clear early on that I'm feeling really superstitious about it. So whatever they want to do, they do but I don't want anything sent to me or at Mm. my house um, until I was much further along and they were totally fine with that because then you can leave everyone to get their stuff at the hospice sale and (laughs) everyone's a winner
2: yeah and I feel like that is what's sort of going on but without me having to give that disclaimer so I feel like there is a stash of secondhand hospice goods being built up and we were gifted a cot as well, which seems bad juju as well, but it's it's not built. Also a cot that was left behind in someone's house. So I'm like, do we need to get the priest in? <laughs> do we need to shake holy holy water over that thing? Like tie rosary beads around I don't know, like
0: yeah, I'm not entirely sure you need to the exorcist just yet, but that is how um, that is
2: how horror films start. True. <laughs> oh yeah, we just we just took the crib from this abandoned
0: house. <laughs> was it rocking when it was found? Just quietly <laughs> on its own, because then I would be suspicious. That's a big clue.
2: You really need to approach with a checklist. Do you remember that Isn't show, it?
0: Are You Afraid of the Dark, when
2: we were kids? Yes. Yeah, I classic. was so... The
0: minute that that starts... The swing. The swing, right? I, I, oh, a lone God. swing, swinging in the dark with <laughs> autumnal leaves underneath it. I, I was behind the sofa. <laughs> and then a candle. That blows out, but nobody's there.
2: <laughs> like, why would a creaking swing or a candle be remotely frightening? And yet it was. But going back to the cot, I'm
0: quite glad that somebody has given you a a, a cot because that's very very expensive. So all of those money saving things are unbelievable. All of these haunted items are going to do really well. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Your baby will talk to the spirits. It's gonna be great. <laughs> They'll be like, oh, it's so chatty. It talked when it was three months, but there was nobody really in the room at the time. We're not so concerned.
2: <laughs> it was more like. A- it was more a grunt or like a deep growl. <laughs> no, definitely no, not demonic no. It wasn't tongues. Tongue
0: I mean, it could have been tongues, but not tongues. Um, <laughs> I would suggest getting a new mattress. Apparently, that's the big thing. It doesn't matter how old the cot is, as long as it's functional. Uh, but a mattress okay. has to be yeah. firm and all of these other things for newborns. But again, I don't really have any idea. But that's just
2: what I was told. So the mattress was gone oh that. perfect i mean suspicious, <laughs> suspicious. <laughs> presumably the most haunted part but that that's gone presumably it's off to get sold at the hospice <laughs> who knows but it's uh that part's gone so we do need to buy new mattress and we're so appreciative of all these gifts obviously it just feels like that superstitious part you know yeah and also i get it. it's lent and my family are very very catholic so I have daily reminders to light a candle and go to church and because Lent is the most important time. So everyone is praying for the baby right now, Um, which is great. Great. And they will be very annoyed by calling that superstition, but it's all ilk; It's of the same vibe. You know, you're... you're... I am going to
0: leave you to get the (laughs) flack for that one, my friend. So last time we chatted, we discussed... it is uh quite a hot topic Mm -hmm. while you're pregnant and an even hotter one after (laughs) it but um it can be talking about cost that can be quite expensive have you had to get new underwear are you fitted for it because I know they are growing quicker than the baby
2: at the moment yeah they truly truly are and to be honest the baby is not likely to be that big until it's about two years old (laughs) because I've been (laughs) measured twice in the last I'm going to say six weeks. One time at Bravissimo, which is a great purveyor of goods for large-breasted women. And I was mm-hmm. a double F. And within that six weeks, I've since been uh, V measured. And I'm now a 32 double G, which means that they are bigger than <laughs> they have ever been, including when I was a teenager and was packing a few extra pounds and pre-breast reduction so they have come back they have been resurrected so Ann Summers was affordable I went there for a bigger bra because they do really big sizes and they had a sale on and they're actually really good for general clearance stuff because they have been going out of business or in clearance for years now it seems but they still remain open Um, and so we went in there Uh, to get a bra and we'll likely go back to Bravissimo again but yeah you're talking the difference between 40 quid 50 quid in Bravissimo and if it's in the sale 15 quid in in summer so
0: bras are extraordinarily expensive but to be fair when it gets to your kind of size we're talking some serious engineering (laughs) has to go into that I know. Like, planning has to be made, you know, <laughs> applications have to be put in. <laughs> it's some serious work has to go into that. Just, so I kind of
2: get why it's very Imagine people rolling out plans on a massive desk and, like
0: <laughs> working out.
2: But but the thing is, like, I'm only five foot tall, which is very small to have mm. such massive boobs. Um, yeah. And the maddest thing is, though, that I genuinely believe that my body... Prefers them at this size. I know Sandy probably does as well, but I think that in a in a general sense, like my body's just happier to have massive boobs. It's probably never forgiven me for the breast reduction or for losing loads of weight and then shriveling not a few years ago. Because they just feel better in the way that they sort of fit my body. However, the pain that I've been having has been so intense. It genuinely feels like someone is hitting me with a cattle prod, (laughs) like electric shocking Mm. the sides of my boobs. So I was yelping in pain last night, no word of a lie, and Sandy's just, like, standing by as I'm going, like, grabbing my boobs and rolling around the bed. Um, So, yeah, that was another thing for him to witness. Uh, So that has been wild, and I assume that's because there's new vein circuitry forming. There's new ducts going in and also they i had to like they had to completely take my nipples off and stuff for the reduction so they have been kind of chopped up and put back on in the past so i assume that all of that is probably you know adding to the fact that it's painful now when all this stuff is happening
0: yeah, I can't imagine that's helping. It's easy to poke fun and like have a bit of a laugh at the fact that your bra is holding two very small planets um, <laughs> onto your chest. And also, as a small-breasted person, I am slightly jealous because I managed to wear the same size bra all the way through my pregnancy and even after, even though they did get a little bit bigger. That's also because I'm quite tight and I didn't want to have to buy new bras because, as we've just discussed, they are extraordinarily expensive. In fact, ridiculously yeah. so. If I was Prime Minister for a day, that's the first thing I'd do. I'd bring down the price of bras. I might outrageous. just,
2: I might just like skip on buying any more bras and just have Sandy wheel me about in a wheelbarrow. <laughs> and he would do it with a big smile on his face. And he would. We, we could probably get a cheap one at the hospice. <laughs> <laughs> but, but,
0: but listen, I, I mean, the pain is absolutely real.
2: Is it back pain? Is it chest? Like, where no, is the it, pain? No, it, it in generally the- feels like someone is electric shocking me in the side, like, far sides of my boob so side boob yeah so it's pretty painful um, I mean
0: we'll definitely come back to this because I think this is something that isn't going to unfortunately for you get any better during pregnancy just because as your belly gets bigger as well you've got all
2: that up front I know. Like, there's nowhere for it to go and also the women in Anne <laughs> I don't know if she knew that I could hear her but her and Sandy were outside the change room and she was like how far along is she and he was like, Oh, about ten weeks and she was like, Jesus, oh, she's in trouble <laughs> <laughs> Hello <laughs> Take another size now, please <laughs> It's just like, Oh god thank you <laughs> thanks
0: for the vote yeah. support i mean i think that you do it sort of happens in sparks. so hopefully fingers crossed you don't get another spark for a little while otherwise that'll be another however yeah. much it was at ann summers so have you just got one bra then are we
2: just wearing one bra for the next however many weeks? no i now got i've got two in circulation and i've ordered another one so this is like a very recent surge in size So yeah, we're just taking each day as it comes, buying in more fabric, stitching all of my old clothes together for hammocks. (laughs) But why do our breasts get bigger? Here's Carla.
4: So yeah, during pregnancy, your boobs are going to get bigger. That is just one of those pregnancy things. When we're pregnant, we're full of a hormone called progesterone. So that's responsible for making those boobs grow, ready to produce milk. And we'll actually start to produce that first milk called colostrum, from about 16 weeks of pregnancy. So loads of changes happening all the way through. There's nothing you can do about it, but if you're uncomfortable, it's important to go and get measured for a maternity bra so these don't have any wires in, so there's no danger of anything digging into those growing breast tissues and causing any problems. And this can help ease the discomfort if you are experiencing that.
0: Now, it's not just the size of our boobs that can cause us problems in pregnancy. Here's some
1: of your boob-related stories. Hi, I'm Bex. So when I was pregnant with my first child, I literally woke up one morning, and this was super early on in my first trimester, to discover that my boobs had grown five cup sizes. And not only had they ballooned to the cup size of my absolute dreams, but my nipples had also totally changed in colour, which just blew my mind. So to celebrate this one perk of pregnancy that I was experiencing, I thought I would sunbathe topless on holiday when I was about six, seven months pregnant. Just to set the scene, I was lying on the beach, the sun was beaming down, boobs were out, feeling like an absolute goddess. And as I looked down to admire my boobs in all their newfound glory, I discovered to my horror that I was leaking copious amounts of colostrum. Needless to say, I never went braless again.
5: My name's Carly Evans. Uh, It was my first symptom to uh, let me know I was pregnant. And basically, I couldn't even stand the water from a shower running down my boobs or the sheet of my bed on top of them because they were so sensitive. And I was like that for about 12 weeks, I think, and then it finally went away. But yeah, it was my first symptom. Just horrible, painful breasts. (laughs) I remember that right before I gave birth, I was sitting in our sauna again. I understand this might be controversial, but I spoke to several Scandinavians in advance and felt fine with doing it. And I noticed all of these droplets on my leg and I was like, oh, gosh. Is there steam on the ceiling or what's leaking? And having like looked all around the sauna, I realized what was leaking was me, onto me. Uh, so that was sort of my introduction into breastfeeding before it happened. Then once I'd actually had Oscar, um, I, I didn't know that your milk could actually come in one boob at a time, so for one day, I had a massive monster boob full of milk and one that Oscar was less interested in feeding from but that he needed to in order to even out the situation. So that was the sort of beginning stages of breastfeeding.
0: But not everybody's
5: gets bigger. Here's Laura to explain.
1: So it's important to note that I've always had the tiniest, smallest boobs. Like a double A. I've never had boobs. And when I was pregnant, almost everybody said to me, Oh, you're going to finally get boobs. You're finally going to get boobs. I didn't get boobs. Not one. Not They didn't grow at all. My entire body grew. I gained five stone. But I did not gain one ounce of boob. My boobs were unaffected by pregnancy. Completely. Until my milk came in. And then they probably just became a little more round, a little more solid. But they were still pretty tiny compared to the rest of me. They've never grown. I think it's a myth.
4: <laughs>
0: how are you coping in terms of... Because I know when I was 10 weeks, something that I really worried about was financial issues. I was starting to think about my maternity pay. I was starting to think about um, my, my savings and how long I could take off um and also just all that other stuff that we were talking about but clearly i mean you're getting it for an absolute steal um mm-hmm. this stuff so you're not so worried about the nursery by the sounds of it you are you worried about your maternity
2: well it's more i don't really know how it works i feel like until you unless you're a, a lawyer <laughs> until you know or need to know about this stuff you're sort of a bit clueless on how maternity pay and maternity pay works I'm sure there's people listening who actually are very clued up and I apologise for insulting you if that's the case. But I certainly was sort of unsure. And when I worked uh, down in London, the company I worked for had a really fantastic maternity policy. You got up to a year full pay. And that was, Oof. yeah, so that's a really great deal, right? So from the partner I was with at the time, we'd been together for five years and I was thinking, oh, right, I need to stay in this job because this is the best you know route for us to have kids so I probably stayed in that job longer than I would have because of that maternity leave and after that when we didn't end up having babies or indeed stayed together I changed my mind on how I was viewing life and work so I was thinking right I just need to do stuff that I enjoy and then work it out later and trust that the company will look after me so I'm doing a mix of staff work and freelance work at the moment the trouble with the freelance stuff is that you're not covered in that sense so the bit that's been frustrating the last wee while is that this job that I've been offered has been postponed for a couple of months for a perfectly good reason the producer is unable to be at work and therefore they can't go ahead for the moment yeah but that leaves me with no money for two months because I'm waiting so I get my income from my other job but then there's a big so that has been the trickiest bit and also just cost of living is just kicking my ass right now as it is everyone so I get an email to say that my phone bill's going up but also that my house internet's going up you know the internet I just saw the sorry the electricity I just checked we're getting charged like 32 pence a kilowatt or something which seems a lot but then i have nothing to compare it to so it's just all these tiny it's like death by a thousand cuts type thing it's like everything just adds up and adds up and when you have to rely on freelance work and that falls through that's when stuff sort of there's a bit of a domino effect then but i'm sure once i've sort of got all that together and the work's caught up i'll be feeling a lot more comfortable but yeah i don't even know what i'm worrying about that's the mad thing it's like what does, what do babies eat? How much a nap is cost? <laughs> like. I don't know. Like, does it want to go to special classes and learn things? I don't know.
0: (laughs) I think the wonderful thing about babies is if you wanted to spend stupid amounts of money, there's plenty of people out there willing to take that money from you. But it's not entirely necessary. Secondhand stuff is great. Friends gifting you stuff, amazing. Uh, Getting clothes secondhand. Do not buy new newborn clothes. It's insane. Buy one or two outfits if you really want to just because you get that sort of broody urge great lovely but honestly they're in them for about five minutes and there's some really good charity shops that sell them i certainly got loads and loads of stuff at second hand and i don't regret it one little bit and um, so you can do it fairly reasonably but yeah babies cost money at the end of the day the good news is you're only 10 weeks in so you do have a few <laughs> more months to get saving and you you're lucky enough to have a partner that can also help you save as well and help you with the bills so you are not on your own so don't don't get too stressed out the worst thing you could do is stress about it
2: yeah for sure and I know what a privileged position we're in and you know I I feel comfortable but it's like that in finance is like an invisible fear isn't it mm. like You know, whether it's debt or whether it's like, oh, will we have enough money to do X? Will we be able to do Y? It's like there's just this looming, invisible monster. And I have avoided buying anything um, myself so far. And I will do it. Although there's this really adorable uh, vintage secondhand shop that has all, like, 90s and 80s kids wear, like, Oshkosh. (laughs) And all this, like, adorable stuff. And sometimes I just go on and look at it. But then I realized so much clothing of our era when we were babies is so flammable. Like, Why did they put us in that? It's like shell suits. Like, we must have been like, and people smoked all the time then. Like, there must have been so many naked flames going about just ready to set us alight. Well, let's all, all also consider that these are the same
0: people that were teenagers in the '80s when hairspray was a must. I mean, they had been avoiding live flames for at least ten years before we came around. That is true. That is true. So, I don't think it was something that they worried about too much. Everyone was just avoiding any kind of fire at that point. And the, Apart from your right, cigarettes that was very in vogue.
2: And the thing is the. That- they're so cool, all of the little clothes. But yeah, they're a death trap. So all of the, I should say, all of the Oshkosh, dungarees and all the denim stuffs lovely. But anything that's like a snowsuit or whatever is, you know, just you're thinking. Super mm, fun. I might just avoid that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No singing by the open fire with that one.
0: So we've got another week ahead of you. What are you looking forward to? What are you dreading? So
2: next week we have a big wedding coming up at the end of. The month and for me at the moment it's keeping everything under wraps still because time is progressing so much and we are feeling more pregnant as every day goes on but we're still yet to tell people and it's about keeping all a lid on all of that <laughs> until we have the scan picture in our hands and we to say, okay and also we've been having a look at where to get married i mean classic late 30s marriage conversation today because sandy was like i mean if we get married now i'll still have hair (laughs) i was like if we get married next year i'll be thin again we're like "Mm." (laughs) oh the conundrum seems we've got a catch 22 on our hands (laughs) so yeah uh we're looking at you know admin and just really exciting adult stuff and getting lots of iron in my diet and making sure that I'm still able to stand up and I'm not too pale and I'm still fighting fit. but the good news is I feel night and day from what I did before I feel arguably tremendous if I want to give it a really big adjective um today in particular and part of me is like is this the, the wonders of the second trimester that people have been telling me about but it's too early so I can only assume I just feel better well, you certainly look great. So I can't testify for how you're
0: feeling because obviously that's uh, that's your thing. But you certainly look aside from good. cattle prod boobs. Cattle <laughs> prod boobs can go in the bin, but the rest is they they also look great. I have
2: to say. <laughs> <laughs> and what about we Otis? He's been struggling with his teeth brushing, which a lot of boys do until they're
0: adults. Really? <laughs> yeah, and sometimes into adulthood as well, so I don't know why I'm so surprised. He's only seven months, but yes, he's got teeth, and we're te- we weaning at the moment, which means he's eating lots of different stuff, so I'm keen to start the good oral hygiene early. Problem is, Otis is not as keen as me, <laughs> and so we're having trouble just getting the toothbrush in his mouth, falling short of actually sticking my finger in and forcing jabbing this little brush in his mouth. Um, I am I'm not really very successful with this as yet, but I don't want to put them off. So I put a call out on Twitter, like, how do you do this successfully? And I've got loads and loads of advice. Um, so I ordered lots of different things, like little linen cloths that you use to clean their little teeth or a little finger toothbrush or, you know, all sorts of wee things. So I'm going to give it all a go in the spirit of uh, research and I will let everybody know uh, what
2: fares best, but at the moment very unsuccessful. Oh. I'm excited to see what works though because I remember that video that went viral of how to like cut your dog's nails and it was like you wore a shower cap with peanut butter on <laughs> it. Genius. <laughs> and, and the dog would lick <laughs> your shower cap while you did the nails. I'm imagining some kind of equally as imaginative feat for Otis's teeth. <laughs>
0: Listen, if I can get peanut butter involved, I will
2: get peanut butter involved. um like, distracting um, yes. him somehow and, like, jabbing the toothbrush in with the other. He's also got loads of hair now. Can we talk about yes? How- What a great head of hair, your son. (laughs) He is a hairy, hairy man already. Uh,
0: He hasn't got chest hair or arm hair or leg (laughs) hair or any other kind of hair. Just a lot of hair on the head. He's barely got eyebrows. He does have very long eyelashes. The weirdest thing about his hair, though, is that it's like mood hair. You know, they used to have mood rings. His hair (laughs) changes colour depending on how he's actually feeling. So when he's angry, it goes red. When he's happy and quite content sitting in the sun, it's blonde, beach blonde. And then sometimes when he's just a bit bored and, you know, fed up, it's brown. So I've actually got no idea what hair colour he's going to have, just that he'll have a lot of it.
2: Did you find his cot in an abandoned house? <laughs> a baby is hair changes colour depending on mood is either the devil or the messiah so
0: maybe we're raising one of each fingers Think crossed <laughs> that'll be exciting that'll be a fun end to this podcast <laughs> the apocalypse the end of the world
2: <laughs> oh how's storm's baby oh yeah he's great he's the second coming wonderful
0: <laughs> <laughs> listen best of luck for the week ahead um, you
2: too. Yeah, yeah.
0: we'll struggle on. Yeah. Bye bye bye. <laughs> bye bye. Well, that's the end of our podcast this week, but join us next week when we'll discuss weird and recurring dreams and coming off medication in pregnancy. Now, if you want to get involved in the podcast and share some of your stories, just follow me on Instagram at StormHuntley and leave us a voice note. I look forward to hearing from you, but until next week, it's bye for now.